Welcome to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. There's an explanation for this. Featuring Nick. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. And Jay. This is so nuts. Listen to what you're saying. Please note, these episodes will contain spoilers and in-depth discussion of the plots and characters of the films. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and this is our review of Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. Uh, starring Stephen Pascal, Rita Wait a minute, Wells, these people got John names? Or- what the hell? <laughs> yeah, they have names. John Ortiz, Johnny Lewis, Kristen Hager, Tom Woodruff Jr., and Ian White. Directed by the brothers Strauss. <laughs> Released in 2007 on a budget of just over $40 million, grossed $128 million worldwide, 41 of it in the U.S., 87 far. This one, you know, I said last time, Alien vs. Predator, the second grossing uh, film in this Alien franchise. Well, no surprise here. AVPR is at the dead bottom, Nick. <laughs> that uh, this one on its opening weekend. Made ten million bucks. Wow, that that, that, so, that is shocking. Yeah, it really did not do well. And I'll tell you, I told you, you know, before the in the last review, Alien vs Predator. I went with some buddies, and yeah, I was like, yeah, this is kind of fun or whatever. But I had watched that one again on on TV or on video since, and was just like, yeah, this is kind of dumb. So when this one came out, I was like, nope, not doing it. And one of the guys I had seen AVP with saw it and was just raving about it to me. He's like, dude, you got to see this movie. They totally go for it in this one. It's it's a hard R. I mean, they kill kids and there's nuclear and it's just oh, it's just crazy, man. And so it was many years until. I watched this film and I got to tell you, I still sit with my mouth ajar or my mouth agape when I see this incarnation of alien and predator on the screen together. I mean, this is what the internet wanted. I mean, if you guys are listening to it and we're like on the forums <laughs> complaining that AVP was rated PG-13, guess what? You got your wish. It was a hard R movie. Cause you know what? Fox didn't listen to, you know, Fox, all they got from everybody's complaining was that, hey, they want it's rated R. They want blood and guts and they want to be offended. You know, who cares about the script? They're not in this for a plot. And that's that's what we got. And I I didn't see this in the theater. I refused to. I don't even know anybody who saw this in the theater. But um, <laughs> I want to know, did you actually pay money to watch this for this retrospective or did you bump the disc off somebody? Believe it or not, it's on <laughs> on demand on uh, cable. It wow. obviously was the cut version. I mean, yeah, they cut some of the stuff down, but I, I that's actually a good thing because I, I'm a fan of blood and guts when it's. And I wouldn't say necessary, but when it services, when it serves the movie, I mean, when you're watching a slasher movie or something, a lot of times that stuff will kind of be like, you know, it, it's fun because it's it's done in kind of a fun way or something, or even like a hostile movie where you kind of went in expecting, like, yeah, I want to get sick and gross from this movie. This was just shocking with all the blood and guts, and I, I still remember the first time I saw this. I was at Blockbuster, you know, back when there was Blockbusters, and I rented this on DVD and. I watched the movie, and the first thought I got, even before the offensive stuff I see in this saw in the movie, was this movie is freaking dark. I mean, 
I don't know about you, but I actually had to readjust the brightness and contrast on my TV because I couldn't see a thing. And I think that was intentional. I don't think they wanted you to see anything on this. That generally is the sign of something that's trying to do. Now, they will tell you, because I watched this and listened to the director commentary along with the producer, John Davis, who is primarily responsible for some of the Predator films. They intentionally went with this direction. Their DP and art director and stuff wanted to go with this shafts of light and all that. I don't know if that's convenient artist excuse or if it's, you know, they don't know what they're doing. These guys, the Strauss brothers are effects guys. They run an effects house and they do, they all kinds of big movies. You know, they've done some really good effects work and they got handed this thing. I think because the blowback from ABP, they didn't want to go back to W Paul W. Sanderson and let him do another take. And I'll be honest with you. I feel the influence of John Davis and predator on this one more. You know, I asked last time is the last movie, a, Alien or is it an alien or is it a predator film? And we both kind of said it's a predator film, but there's definitely some alien influence in it for good or bad. This one is definitely a predator film by far. Predator film and kind of a Pulp Fiction ripoff film. Uh, there's a little bit of that, too. Yeah. Shane Salerno, who uh, was a part of the last writing crew, wrote this one. I think maybe in 24 hours i don't know how long he spent on it maybe he got paid good for it i hope he got a nice car out of it because that there boy the the, the you thought the last one was thin dude this one is real thin and people may ask okay wait a minute both of you are saying this is not an alien film why are you doing it well if we didn't there would be people out there wanting to know why didn't you do avp why didn't you avpr well i think it's maybe because we're both hopeful that prometheus is going to erase this from our minds once and for all and I hope, if nothing more, Ridley Scott has at least had people who have seen this and are like, no, you can't do that. They did that in ABP. Well, even beyond that, it's it's what got us to Prometheus. I mean, you can even look at the Batman franchise. I mean, I'm a big Batman fra- fan. I mean, you had the first, you know, 1989 Batman. You had Batman Returns and then Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. And Batman fans hate Batman and Robin. They hate it. I mean, a lot of Batman fans hate Batman forever. I hate both of those movies. I think they're terrible. But if you're going to talk about Batman Begins, you have to bring up those two movies because somehow Batman Begins had to get made and something had to lead into it. And those two movies are what led into Batman Begins. And same thing with Prometheus. I mean, we have two, you know, quasi-alien movies that are leading into Prometheus. And I think that the success and failure of these movies and critical response to these movies is what maybe in the end kind of kicked Ridley in the butt a little bit and said, you know what, you got to go back to where you began with and kind of, you know, help it out a little bit. I mean, your, your old wife is down on some hard times there, Ridley. You got to help her out a little bit now. I mean, remember how much you loved her? I mean, come back, help her out. So that's the whole reason why when you brought up, you know, doing the AVP movies, I decided that, you know what, yeah, I'll watch them again and talk about them because they are relevant to Prometheus in that regard. Well, I think you bring up a good point. They're relevant because this is where we got to. And I, Ridley Scott's reasons for wanting to do that, I'm sure, will be made more evident once we, we get further into Prometheus and maybe beyond it. But I, it is important to cover these. I mean, there, there are some bad sequels in any series. There's bad films and you just have to live through them. I'm a big Halloween fan and I won't sit here and defend every one of those, particularly like the sixth one, which is just all over the place if you've never seen it. And I mean, we got rune stones and all kind of weird stuff going on in that movie, but 
it's a necessary part because if that hadn't happened, I'd have never got H2O with Jamie Lee Curtis again. So it's I, I feel the same way about it here. Is if we didn't get that, we'd have never got to where maybe our better or greener pastures. Oh, I hope we'll so. See. I hope so. so. <laughs> well, Nick, I think you know the best way to handle this one. You need to give us a plot summary, and then let's just talk about what we see here. You mentioned that it's offensive. Let's get into that and just talk about the whole experience of this before we completely you know slam it. Because I think we can go ahead and say now we're both going to give this small popcorn. So now we're just going to tell you why. All right, a guy eats a bunch of bad Chinese food, has stomach problems, and out comes AVPR. End of the plot summary. <laughs> Well, I'm surprised they didn't have that in this film. They had every other uh, Okay, um, <laughs> so. the plot summary, and I'm going to get pretty detailed with this one, even though, just so we don't have to go over it point by point, because, <laughs> oh man, that's like pulling off a band-aid. <laughs> Following the events of AVP, a Predator spaceship is leaving Earth carrying dead aliens, living facehuggers, and the body of the Predator that defeated the alien queen. A chestburster erupts from the dead Predator's body. It's a new creature that is a hybrid of alien and a predator. It quickly matures into an adult and begins killing the predators throughout the ship. The predator weapon causes a fire that punctures the hull of the spaceship, and it crashes into a forest outside a small town in Colorado. The hybrid and several, fa- several facehuggers escape, implanting embryos into, into a nearby father and son and to several homeless people living in the sewers. <laughs> yes, a small town in Colorado has sewers that homeless people live in. This is in New York. This is a small town in Colorado. But, okay, a distress signal from, a wreck, from the wrecked ship reaches the Predator's homeworld and a lone predator responds, traveling to Earth and using its advanced technology to observe the cause of the crash and to track the facehuggers. It begins to erase the evidence of the alien's presence by destroying the crash ship using a blue liquid to dissolve the bodies of the facehugger and their victims. But it, Maybe that happened in the script, too. Yeah, and even though, it's, <laughs> even though it's dissolving these bodies, it's still killing and skinning people because the best way to destroy evidence of any <laughs> alien creatures is to, to create more evidence of alien creatures. But meanwhile... An ex-convict, Dallas Howard, after serving time in prison, he is greeted by Sheriff Eddie Morales and reunites with his younger brother, Ricky. Ricky has romantic interests with a more affluent classmate, Jesse, and is being harassed by her boyfriend, Dale, and two of his friends. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you were talking about an alien movie. Is this not 0210 or freaking One Tree Hill? Where do these people come from? I don't from? know, but I think Michael Bay kind of copied this for Transformers. <laughs> Kelly O'Brien has just returned to Gunnison after service in the military and reunites with her husband, Tim, and daughter, Molly. The Predator fights a number of aliens in the sewers, and as a battle reaches the surface, several of them disperse into the town. The Predator pursues to pursues some of them to a power plant where collateral damage from its weaponry causes the citywide power outage. Yes, the small town in Colorado does have a nuclear power plant, people, so we just we just have to go with it. We just have to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ricky and Jesse meet at the high school swimming pool but are interrupted by Dale and his cohorts just as the power fails and the alien cre- and an alien enters the building. Killing Dallas's friends. Another alien invades the O'Brien home, killing Tim, while Kelly escapes with Molly. Kelly, Molly, Ricky, Jesse, Dallas, Dale, 
and Sheriff Morales, Morale, whatever his name, it doesn't matter. It it does it Morales, doesn't matter Morales. what his name. It doesn't matter what his name is. Meet at a sporting goods store to gather weapons. Troops from the Colorado Army National Guard arrive, but are quickly killed by the aliens. Troops from the Colorado Army National Guard arrive, but are quickly killed by the aliens. When the battle between the Predator and Alien enters the gun store, Dale is killed, and, and the Predator's shoulder cannon is damaged. It is able to modify one, but is able to modify one into a handheld blaster. Like it matters. As the survivors attempt to escape Gunnison, they make radio contact with Colonel Stevens, who indicates that an air evacuation is being staged at the center of town. Kelly is suspicious of the military's intentions, convinced that convincing the small group to go to the hospital where they hope to escape via helicopter, while Sheriff Morales heads to the evacuation area with the rest of the surviving citizens. The hospital, however, has been invaded by aliens and the hybrid creature. The predator soon arrives and in the ensuing battle, Jesse is killed, Ricky is injured, and Dallas takes possession of the Predator's blaster cannon. As the Predator reaches the rooftop, Dallas, Ricky, Kelly, and Molly escape in the helicopter while the Predator battles the hybrid alien hand-to-hand. The two creatures mortally wound each other just as the military jet arrives. Rather than a rescue air- airlift, it is a bomber. Executing a tactical nuclear strike that destroys the entire city and kills the extraterrestrials along with the remaining remaining citizens. The shockwave causes the fleeing helicopter to crash into a clearing where the survivors are rescued by the military. The Predator's blaster cannon is confiscated by Colonel Stevens and presented to Miss Utani while telling her the world is not ready for this technology. And that is where the movie ends. And I'm, I kind of cut out the part, but yes, there is a scene where the alien hybrid impregnates a pregnant pregnant woman, but we'll get more into that. Oh, man, so many problems. <laughs> Last time I said that the plot felt like a fanboy service in some ways. So my question to you is, Nick, where in the heck did they come up with all of this, not the the predator alien hybrid, the pred alien, whatever you want to call it, that we got set up in the last movie. How did they decide? You know, the thing to do with this is to crash it in Colorado, and then at the end we just have to nuke the whole town. This is straight out of a video game. I mean, isn't this kind of like how every Resident Evil video game ends, where it's like, oh yeah, we gotta we gotta nuke it, we gotta nuke it. That's just all this. This is. I mean, are we sure this isn't a fanboy script that somehow got into the possession of Fox? Because it is it is bad. <laughs> this whole thing is bad. It's offensively bad. <laughs> well, even beyond what is offensive, and we're going to get there and stuff, I'll tell you what's really bad. We, we complained about the human cast last time, right? That they were really boring and ultimately were only there to all be killed very quickly once we got down to the real fighting. I... These people, this cast, it's like I told you, like I interrupted there, man. It's like at one half we got an alien and a predator movie going, and the other half we got One Tree Hill. And I don't, this movie is all over the place with the human cast. There's too many of them. You got the sheriff, the convict who's never explained, his loser brother who gets beat up by some rich killed. kids who then he later <laughs> saves, who all get killed. You got the dad and son out hunting near the 
sewers, and then they get killed by the alien facehugger things. You got all this stuff going on, and then you have people survive a nuclear blast in a helicopter. That's straight out of uh, some of all fears, by the way. But, I mean, really, all of that happens, and it's really only because we want to get around to watching Ian White as the Predator again and Tom Woodruff Jr. playing the Pred Alien this time so they can throw down and have another face-off. But this one's not even WWF style. They don't do anything cool in their fights this time. Yeah, it's... I know, I gotta give I gotta give the one compliment I'm gonna give to this movie. The Predator in this movie does look better than the Predator in AVP. I mean, at least when he takes off his mask, he doesn't look like a mongoloid like the last movie. Well, well, is is that because you can't see it or because it looks better? Because you did it, say it, it probably was dark. a little bit from both columns in that regard, but yeah, this this movie does is a classic example of not knowing what it wants to be. And the cast of characters, I mean, it makes AVP's cast of characters look, you know, damn near Shakespearean. I mean, Oh, man, that's like watching, you know, Gone with the Winds cast versus this crew. I mean, I mean then you get little references, like, this guy's name is Dallas. And then, of course, you know, we got the strong female character who's the Ripley wannabe. It's it's so bad. And the- Well, it, yeah, here's the thing. The strong female character, you know what she's from? She's from 24. That's what I know her from. She was one of the main characters of the first couple, three seasons of 24. And John Ortiz, who plays the sheriff, had just come off of a great performance in the Miami Vice film. You know, that's what this is what they got to do after that. Wow, I hope he fired <laughs> his agent sad. for that, man. Because, wow. <laughs> These other people, they all hired in Canada where they I shot mean, this I mean, I swear that so. the whole be- setting up the characters, they grabbed just like the biggest cliche crap you could. You got the guy coming out of jail who's, you know, probably not that bad, you know, made a couple mistakes, but he learned his lesson. Then you got the stupid little, you know, high school drama crap guy liking the girl, but she's got the, of course, the attractive girls going out, the big asshole guy who's got a clan of, you know, little lackeys that, you know, do everything he wants them to do. And it's just... It's so stupid, and and then of course you know even like with the mom coming home from war, they just they just switched roles. They're probably like, hey, an aliens or alien, they switched the role of Ripley, who should have been a guy to a girl. Let's do it here with this, and have the military woman, have the military person be a woman. It, it, it is it is so yeah. freaking it's. So, so can I blame the the Lifetime show Army Wives on this then too? Because that would just make me happy. I, 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 honestly, <laughs> I I'd rather watch that. a Lifetime movie than this movie. To tell you the truth, I've seen ones that look better. I'll say that. So, you know what? I I defended some of Alien versus Predator, especially because I knew you hated it so badly. But ultimately, I felt we we came to the same recommendation at the end of that. You know, I, what I said was, if you're not a big fan of the Alien series, then you probably could tolerate it. I, 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 I took your review. I don't like, you know, know. It's a small bag of caramel corn, you know. It's 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 yeah, a, yeah. You can you can handle the small bag of it, and that's it. This though, there is no defending this whatsoever. There is not. This is such a ripoff of so many different things, and none of it done well that it is hard to watch. And I watched this, and then watched it with the director commentary again, and listened to the director and the the directors and the producer try to explain to us what they were doing. And mainly, they just talked about trying to make things gory and and how to do the effects. Giving you a round of applause because. Damn it, dude! That that, that that takes a lot of courage to do that. I mean, the, the, not not to watch the it twice, but that... to listen to it with director's commentary. I mean, that 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 is like walking over hot coals. That is, you know, 
<laughs> the things I will do for fans of Filmstrip. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, hey, I did. I am re- currently reviewing Leprechaun films too. So, I mean, we Leprechaun, we've done it Leprechaun all. So I can, I freaking Godfather compared oh, to this. Oh, dude, dude, Leprechaun. Th- I would watch Leprechaun too, which I said was one of the worst things I'd ever seen. I will watch that again before I ever see this again. I, I own this disc, and it may. It, I may not own it after tonight. I may get rid of it just so I can. Well, I got. I got to tell you this. Because this, this I movie's whole own these movies. Oh, and wow. you know how I got them? <laughs> I yeah. actually was at a blockbuster that was closing down, and they had both of these movies up for sale for ninety nine cents. And I went up to the guy at the front counter and I said, "I'll just take them." I said, "I'm not going to pay you for them." So I said, "You know, you're not going to sell these." And he actually just gave them to me. I didn't have to pay him wow. for them at all. He's like, just take them, just take them. Because there was literally like 15 of each of them there. And like, you know, like the little like, wow. you know, they're obviously from the Blockbusters mail-in service thing that they're trying to resell and stuff. And they just had a big stacks of them. And he was just like, yeah, just, just take them. Because I did buy some other movies there. So I think he probably maybe, you know, rearranged the pricing on that. But yes, I did get these movies for free. And after I got done watching them, uh, well, me and my son decided to go play Frisbee outside and. Yep, that's where wow. they are. Right now. So if anybody does want these, um, if you want to take a trip up to Wisconsin, and they're out on the front lawn somewhere, so maybe your dog will no, leave some of them. All dogs know well enough to stay away from those pieces of crap. Dogs may like to eat their crap, but they ain't gonna eat this piece of crap. Well, the thing the thing about this is, and I think we should we teased it there at the beginning. And I want to say it again: these two directors got their start working on X-Files. These, these, these two guys. Okay, these special effects coordinators got their start working on X-Files and on the X-Files movies, and then they formed their own company, and they worked on, like, Titanic. They worked on 300. They worked on Poseidon Adventure, the remake, and they did Volcano. They did a lot of films, and they unsuccessfully pitched an idea for the first movie. But when they decided to do the sequel, Fox went back to them and let them do it. They cut the budget, but they told them, go with it. And they had to they had to start filming almost immediately. So this thing got put into production fast as they were working on it. Yeah, it, it, it clearly shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sadly but you know does. what I think, I think so, you give these and, guys 10 years and 100 million dollars and you know what I don't think they can come up with anything better than what they did I've seen Skyline okay these guys yeah that's their other director yeah, yeah. they don't deserve to be <laughs> freaking making movies okay they do a great job doing special effects you know what you know I do a great job cooking mac and cheese, but it doesn't mean I should be cooking, you know, freaking lobster for the president, okay? And <laughs> Well, you know what? And here's the thing. They will both tell you, and they talk about it on that commentary, they consider themselves directors second to their effects house. Like, their effects house has made them very, very wealthy and successful. They, don't, they do this directing stuff probably for ego more than anything. I don't think these guys are lining up trying to get in the Oscars or nothing. They, and look at the projects they take. Alien vs. Is Predator Requiem and the, that Skyline movie. That, there's no way these guys are. They, I don't think they take themselves seriously. I didn't get the feeling that they did. In some ways, I almost feel like they're like, yeah, this is kind of lame. But the producer's presence there let me know that he probably had a lot to say about what went on in this film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think they're going for Oscars. And I you know the truth be told, I think the 
freaking Raspberry Awards, you know, looked at this and probably said, you know what, we're too good to even talk about this movie. <laughs> I don't think these, I don't think the Razzies even bothered with this. It was bit, too obvious. Sure. So, I mean, that's, too obvious. Yeah, but now, like I said, John Davis was a guy that was a part of Predator and Predator 2, and he also was a producer on, you know, The Firm, and he did stuff like Grumpy Old Men. He's done a lot of hits. He was part of Waterworld, for better or worse. You know, I mean, he's had some stuff that made money and was a hit. So he's, and he's still working today. I mean, since this, he was a part of Predators, and he's done, uh, you know, he did the Gulliver's Travel movie with uh, Jack Black. So, I mean, the dude can finance films and make them run. I mean, say what you will about it. It made a lot of money and on home videos made even more. It's total grosses are up over 160 million now. And there's a, there's somewhere out there, Nick, is there an audience that likes this? And that's what I'm trying to figure out. How can anyone, anyone like this? I mean, I gave you reasons people could like alien versus predator. I don't know how people could like this. You have children, small children, Get or saw so a small child gets a face hugger thrown on him, and in the unrated version, you see the chest burster pop out of him. You know, you have pregnant women who get attacked by the pred alien who links up with them face to face and basically throws, like, through its throat, injects alien embryos into them to feed on their unborn children and them and then burst out as adult aliens. I mean, how how more ridiculous and trying to be offensive can you get? I don't think you can. I really don't. I mean, I, I honestly, I would, I would love to see the people that actually really think this is a good movie or even a fun movie. As far as the people that like this movie, I mean, I would, I would love to meet them because I, one, I don't think they exist. I think these are just trolls on the internet that really like this movie. And if someone actually really did, I mean, I'd kind of actually kind of be scared of them because if you find something this offensive, funny or good, or even just guilty pleasure, I mean, that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, t- tell me why it offends you specifically. It's, it's offensive violence for violence sake. I mean, the whole thing in the hospital with that, I mean, there is absolutely no reason for that at all. I mean, there's no reason in the plot. There's no reason for anything. They make the aliens spit out embryos into there for what reason? For what reason? The only reason to do it was just to offend people. Right. I mean, from what we did, supposedly this pred alien can shoot an embryo into your mouth and out would come an alien. Well, now it's going to shoot 12 into a woman because she's pregnant. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Well, see, that's to me is the thing that it, you can do offensive things in films or things meant to shock. Look, Alien 3 we talked about. There was stuff there meant to shock us, that whole autopsy scene and all that stuff. But there's a purpose to it. Like there, yeah, there, there was were, a there, mood. There, it was there to service it. Yeah, it there was there was to a, service the plot. Yeah, there was a mood that Fincher was creating with that, and it, it worked. And as much as that bugs me and I don't like that scene, I understand what it's trying to do. Here, I, they're only trying to do this to get a rise out of us, to shock us. And you know what? It doesn't work. Because I I know this is a movie and this is so ridiculous that it just turns me off. It's like you don't have anything better to say or do, so this is all you can come up with is this this crap. And it 
makes me not invest in any of the characters here. And then beyond that, there's too many people, and I don't know anything about any of them other than just the basic caricature we get of them. And I don't care about the storyline. I don't care what's going on. The whole thing here is the the bit is that they send this predator back to clean up the mess on Earth, right? And he's and it, this is supposed to be the Pulp Fiction reference, right? He's supposed to be the Harvey Keitel character that comes in when you got a problem. The wolf. Yeah, the wolf. But along the way, he's still killing deputies. He's still blowing up half the town. I mean, this doesn't. It doesn't work. I'm like, why would the Predator give a rip? Unless it worries that, uh-oh, you know, this is going to happen and people are going to find out about it and we're not going to be able to hunt on Earth anymore. Well, why would he care if they taught us how to build pyramids? Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. I mean, okay, I can buy. Okay, maybe the Predators, you know, they don't want to kill people, you know, because they have this honor and stuff, so they're going to send a guy back here to take care of the situation. Okay, why would they only send one, first of all? They'd send probably, you know, they can go invisible, okay? It's not like we're going to get, they're not going to get spotted. And then, you know, after he's he's erasing evidence, and then he's creating more. I mean, as I brought up on the plot summary, he's killing uh, sheriff deputies and skinning them and hanging them by the trees. If he's going to go there and just randomly kill people, then why are they sending them back at all if they don't care can i tell you that the answer for that because the brothers strauss will go into that detail in the in the uh, commentary if you listen to it is that well just because they're cleaning up alien stuff doesn't mean they're stop being predators i mean predators kill everything and i'm like no nah, you guys really don't get it yeah you guys they obviously haven't seen any other predator movie i mean they haven't seen they obviously i never saw the mcturnan one because the predator is a hunter i mean are we supposed to take it that the wolf is, you know, doing a job, but he's also a sociopath on top of it? I mean, if, if you were out in, you know, Africa, you know, helping build hospitals or something, trying to do something, you know, noble, like supposedly this predator is doing and trying to stop these aliens from killing people, would you just be going around killing animals just for the hell of it? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean. Yeah. What did you make of the, of the pred alien, the, the alien predator hybrid when it was full grown? Well... I want to see the, the deleted scene where the predator, um, the pred alien gets its uh, hair braided. I mean, <laughs> it's it's stupid. It's it's completely stupid. I can take it that the alien takes traits of the creature to survive in the habitat. If it's gonna if it's gonna go after you know impregnate a biped human, it's gonna come out like a biped human. If it's gonna impregnate a dog or some other animal. Yeah, the only reason it would come out being able to walk on all fours is because that body type is suitable for that environment that that animal lived in. Okay, so if it's going to now take on the predator, what purpose do those mandibles and dreadlocks serve? Oh, not not just mandibles. Mandibles with the shooting tongue jaw thing. There's absolutely the, the whole trait thing is completely just it's absurd absurd here because it only going to take traits that help it survive in that environment. The mandibles and dreadlocks serve absolutely no purpose besides it being like, hey, isn't this cool? It's like half predator and half alien. That's the only reason it's done like that. And I understand, you know what, there was a pred alien in the game. It looks somewhat similar, but you know what, video games are one thing. Plays a big fat you know, freaking plumber eating mushrooms and growing up really big. It doesn't mean it works good in a movie, okay? I think we've all, I've seen that movie. It doesn't work good in a movie thing, okay? In three Predator films, the first two and then the most recent one, Predators, we still don't know how these things reproduce. I can only assume that that reproduction bit where it's throwing the 
whatever rolling embryo critter type things into the mouth of something else is that's how the predators reproduce. But I don't know that. that that's never explained. Again, if they had set that up and explained it in some way, then I don't know that I would like it. I still think it's offensive, but at least it has a point. Right now, I don't know where that comes from. How does the, the pred alien get to be a queen too? At the same time, because it wasn't a queen that impregnated. It's all it. just a plot device how they can get multiple aliens coming out right away. That's that's all it is. Well, the whole town gets overrun with them. That's the whole bit. Is that the the worst fear of Ripley and everybody else is true? These things get on Earth and they're uncontainable. Which unless they're in Antarctica, apparently, which are they're very containable down there. But they're not containable on Earth, and they take over this town in less than a day. This all goes down in a, a morning to an evening. Which I don't know if you've been around watching the military mobilize. Look, they're pretty efficient. They don't move that fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no way. And the, Colorado is full of military bases. There ain't no way something's getting nuked with that much stuff around. It didn't, you got Crystal Palace up there, for goodness sakes. There's no way. And the whole thing, too, is it doesn't make any sense. Nothing make The whole pred-alien premise makes no sense. If you go back to Aliens... You had the alien queen. The alien warriors served the alien queen. You could even say in the first alien that that was just an alien warrior and, you know, it, it was an ant without a, out, out a queen. So now we have AVPR and we have this pred alien who's kind of like a queen. Well, it's creating all these aliens. Well, what's the purpose? What, what's sur- purpose are these aliens serving? The, the, Ch- chaos? Yeah. I mean, that's the only and thing that happens. it makes no sense. I mean, if you had a... It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all because those alien warriors would be around to serve the queen. Would be able to, you know, make a nest, bring in people to, you know, host more aliens and, you know, in- increase the well, population me- of their species. Here they're just killing for yeah. killing's sake and just, you know, causing chaos well, and stuff. And it, it's stupid. Let me ask you this: Why would the aliens be any more tolerant of the pred alien than the predator is? Wouldn't they see that thing as a threat too? Uh. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Sure, yeah, I don't know. Obviously we're giving this a lot more thought than the scriptwriters and the Strauss brothers have. <laughs> Maybe I am, but I mean really I would think that it would have been neat to Fred Alien had to fight those off. You know, that would have been interesting. But or well no, it would have been interesting. It would have been it would have been less ridiculous than what we get. That that's what I'm trying to say. You know, if if this group would have picked up a guy playing Ronald McDonald's at a McDonald's and brought him into the group, the movie would have would have been less ridiculous, okay? <laughs> well, let me ask you that. Well, maybe Ronald McDonald and the Burger King facing off is a better than the Pred Alien and the Predator facing off. Well, why are the aliens that it births not more Pred Alien-like? Why are they just straight aliens? Besides the fact that this is a cheap production, besides that reality in, in real world, why in story are they not also Pred Alien? I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm out thinking the thing again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's again, we're putting way more thought into it than they did. There's, there's no reason why they wouldn't look more like the Pred Alien. There's that's, it, it's nothing. The whole reason why was they probably had some costumes left over from the other movie or probably from the alien set. I, I don't know. And that's just all they wanted to go with. And obviously this movie's trying to take cues from the better movies. You know, it's got, you know, some of the score from aliens. I mean, you, you can catch the beats in the movie and, the aliens look like the aliens from Aliens, and there's so much stuff in here that's... The gun noises were are mimicked from Aliens. I mean, this movie is just borrowing stuff from the better movies, and it thinks that by borrowing it, it's going to make it a better movie when it's it's just showing it... A, it's just show, making the movie more evident that it's just a sorry piece of crap. 
and the whole thing goes down in the middle of town at the hospital and the power plant, right? Which are not far from each other. Now, I don't know what you know about power plants and hospitals, Nick, but there's a reason you don't put a nuclear power plant near anything else for a long well, way. If you maybe, can maybe we're going to take it that, you know what, those pregnant women are going to have mutated babies, and that's, you know. <laughs> well, and how many pregnant women are there in this small town? The whole ward is full of women, like, in labor at the same time. Even even more offensive than that, too, is like they have to show the maternity ward with the babies crying, and then the alien was the alien in the in the room with the babies. The pred alien was in the yeah, it was salivating over those babies. It's again, it's I, I'm not I'm not one of these guys. that's like oh my god, you can't you can't kill a dog and you can't kill kids in movies. I'm fine with it if it services the plot. This is just to get you to go oh my god, I can't believe they're doing that. That's all it is. That's all it is. Speaking of servicing the plot, they decide in the ultimate end of all of this, when you've got these what's left of the human characters finally getting away after they've sort of chased themselves around town and back and are trying to fly out now, that the military's involved and the one military lady realizes, "Uh uh-uh, they're not really going to save us. They're going to kill us all. So she gets them all out of town just as the nuke drops while the predator, the predator and the prey alien have basically stabbed each other to death and are waiting to bleed out. See, in a good movie, they would they would have set that up where it would have been like she would have had a flashback, or maybe the beginning of the movie is with her with the military, and they did this to like a, maybe a, a a city, like a a third world country town or something where there there's like a, there's like a virus outbreak, and they basically tell them, hey, we're gonna evacuate you guys in the middle of town, and then they nuke them or something, or drop like a freaking bunker buster on them, and then that way, you know, hey. You got the gun in the first act, the gun's going to shoot in the third act. You know, then they could show like, hey, they're telling her the same thing. And she's like, no, this is standard protocol to get everybody in the center of town so they can, you know, liquidate these people. And we can't do it. We're too busy killing kids and melting stuff away with blue liquid in the first act to set up anything. And I even got to bring up, too, is like you got this guy and he has his crush on the girl. What is the end game for that. Both of them end up getting killed in hilarious well, ways. Well, the one I guy, mean, no, what Ricky lives, he's just got his arm torn it, Did he live? <laughs> I thought he died. See, it just... No, Ricky got stabbed and lived. Dale, the jerk boyfriend, dies, and Jesse, the good-looking girl, gets pinned to the wall by the crawl as it's getting thrown through a bunch of aliens by the predator. <laughs> what was the point? What to shock us and, and oh no one is safe that's what they're trying to do yeah now. this isn't game of thrones here you know <laughs> oh, i haven't even seen game of thrones and i know that if the, if this if game of thrones was this i would not be interested in watching See, i bring I'll up, bring up game of thrones because that's what game of, that's what kind of the big thing about game of thrones is is that no one's safe you no one's safe that's what the show works because of that. This movie is just, it's yeah. hilariously bad because of that even too, because they're, they're setting up stuff and none of the characters have an arc. It's just like, oh yeah, here's the girl, good looking trope, good looking girl trope. And here's the nerdy guy who likes her, you know, cliche and she's got the jerk boyfriend, but we're going to kill these people off in different orders that you don't expect for no reason, except for just to be like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, I'm doing something a little different, but it's again, I'm just going to keep on using the word stupid. Well, you sound like me reviewing Batman and Robin, and I I can understand your pain, because this just has no point 
at AVPS. all. And I think that's, that's what we're going to call it. AVP <laughs> <AVP's> stupid. <laughs> well, I think we're at the point in the podcast where we have to, you know, end all suspenses. If there is any much like this film, we've telegraphed it way too early. Uh, the final ra- recommendations in popcorn ratings. So Nick, what are yours for aliens versus predator requiem? Small popcorn. Not even going to say anything more. Just a small popcorn. I'm, movie movie is not even worth explaining why I have to say a small popcorn. You obviously got it. So. Yeah, this is a bad, bad. This is not only small popcorn, but it's small popcorn to be avoided at all costs, folks. You don't need this at all, and I'm fairly certain it will never be referenced in anything again except podcasts where people rail on it for 45 minutes or whatever because there's nothing redeemable about this at all. And I would hope none of you bother with it at this point. But Nick, we do need to take a minute or two here because this is our last podcast in the series before Prometheus comes out. And a lot of rumors and all kind of stuff flying around out there and everything. I got to tell you, man, I'm excited for this film. If for nothing more than I know by default, it's got to be better than the last few we've watched here. But I'm excited to see what Ridley Scott can do now that he gets to do what he's wanted to do for years. And that's go back to the space jockeys and everything that happens before the tragedy of the Nostromo. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. And I'm excited for basically being a movie in the alien universe. And I'm kind of hoping it doesn't feature an alien in it. I mean... The last two movies have just, they've hurt the alien creature so bad. I don't even know if James Cameron, Ridley Scott, and David Fincher may be coming together and doing some big alien opus could even revive the monster. It's just, it's, like I said, it's it's been beaten so bad. It's, you can't even recognize it anymore. And, you know, I'm not, Alien Resurrection was bad too, but even after Alien Resurrection, there was still a little bit of hope that maybe the series could be revived, you know, something could happen. I mean, it happened with X-Men. I mean, necessarily bad sequels doesn't always make a series dead. But with AVP and AVPR, I think that it's just probably best that the alien xenomorph is at least no longer the main creature in a movie. And from the looks of Prometheus, that is looks like the direction Ridley Scott is going in. I actually just read an interview with the writer for it, uh, Lindendorf, or I, I'm butchering his name right now, but he Damon actually... Damon Lindelof. Was, Damon Lindelof. Lindelof, yep. He uh, basically was telling the story about how this project came to be, and it was originally going to be a really strong alien prequel and when i say strong i mean a movie that directly ties into alien it's gonna you know it happens on lv426 this is a crew that finds it this is how the company finds out about it this is the evolution of the alien creature and it's gonna leave basically right before the nostromo lands but i think they wisely went back and said hey the alien creature has been played out unfortunately we'd love that you have the creature in here but if we're going to conclude this creature in here it's going to make the movie weaker because of what came before it. So we're going to take the pre- the premise of the space jockey, the race of this creature, what they're doing, and it's going to be set in the same universe. We're just going to kind of step back a little bit and tell a different story. And that's why I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see how it connects the alien. The alien. I mean, it's almost kind of like a, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's going to be kind of cool to find, look at the little Easter eggs that are going to connect us to the universe. That's what I'm kind of most excited about. And I'm excited about, you know, a little explanation of the space jockey. I mean, I'll, I kind of like the mystery around it, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what they say about it. And, you know, if I don't like it, you know what? 
I don't have to acknowledge it. I don't acknowledge Alien 3. I don't acknowledge Alien Resurrection. I don't acknowledge the AVP movies. So, if, you know, I really have no... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I have no really strong investment in the movie other than just being excited for it. If it turns out to be crap, whatever. We've already dealt with four crappy movies. <laughs> So it's 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 just more of the same. But I'm hoping that it's going to be Ridley Scott's return to form. His last couple movies really haven't been that great. I know a lot of studio interference and everything, but you know I'm excited for it. I, I will say this: you brought up something else. X Men when they came back and did First Class, they that's how you do a reboot, prequel, whatever. I I think that's a fantastic film, maybe the best one in that series. And if they can hit at least the same tone of that, you know, where we're going to play in the same universe, but we're also going to rewrite it so we can go in different places. I'm cool with it, too. I'm, I don't want to see the Xenomorph either, not in the form that I know it in, because I've seen that enough times now that I don't think there's anything new to do with it. There was really nothing new to do with it after the second one. The third film is only interesting in the assembly cut version because of the human characters and the journey they're on. There's nothing interesting about the last three films we reviewed. And that I want to revisit at any time as an alien fan. So I am glad to see that they're going away from that that template, that mold. They don't feel like they're they're tied to it. That's what I'm hoping for is a good experience. And you know what I'm really wanting? I want Ridley to make me think. I want him to go back to Blade Runner and make me think. You know, for all the problems that film has, and it certainly has some, that movie makes you think, or at least it makes me think. And I want that again out of this kind of film. I want a smart sci-fi film. And I, if I get that, I'm going to be happy with it. I'm Even if the ties to the Alien series are incredibly tenuous, I won't care as long as it is good quality and it makes me think. Well, are you excited about the uh, Chariots of God type thing again? Because I know you brought that up. <sighs> you know, I tend to not like that storyline. And I know that's a part of this, or at least allegedly a part of this again. I'll say this. If they do it well and they do it right... I will go with it. The fact that it's not taking place on Earth, at least not a chunk of it, I'm probably more willing to go with it because that's the thing I don't want to come back and see is how you taught me math or how to build a pyramid. We got we got to take the title into consideration. I mean, Prometheus, yeah. though, well, he stole fire from the gods. And gave it and to humans. God, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, and that's... then the gods made him suffer. And right. I think you got a little well, title I think is going to be very literal in this. I mean, okay, the gods, space jockey, Prometheus going there. I'm assuming the plot has something to do with them finding the space jockey and learning something about our history or our past or maybe some type of technology. You know, maybe it has to do with terraforming. I don't know, but something that basically the space jockeys or that race does not want us to know. And base and it's going to be about them, the space jockey, going after this crew for discovering this. And that is, you know, that's the thing in, in all mythology and, you know, even in religion, that's part of it is if you try to get on the level of the creator – you can't, and then a lot of times that will result in your demise. The Tower of Babel, you know? you know, trying to reach heaven, trying to, you yeah. know, something you're not supposed to do, and it, I think that could be very interesting. I mean, it has the same type of setup as AVP, if, you know, if I'm reading this right and I'm correct, but it's taken it a completely yeah. different direction, and, you know, what happens, you know, when, I'm actually thinking the kind of the plot might actually kind of go as the space jockeys leave these clues, but it's almost a trap in a way. It's like if the species is advanced enough to be able to understand these clues and come up and find us, then the species needs to be killed. Yeah, when your creation becomes so smart that it can take you out, it's time to take it out. Yeah, almost kind of like you know, almost kind of like Frankenstein's monster, where it's like you know, he creates this thing and it turns out you know he doesn't 
it, it needs to get put down in the end because of the threat it can t- threat it is, and that very well could be this with the space jockeys is you know they're going around and they're creating life and you know humans are one of the lives that they created but they're also very power hungry and they don't want to be threatened they don't want their creation to be able to maybe eventually overtake them so they leave these clues you come and find us we're going to take you out and yeah and we and we've seen that theme played a lot of different ways in films and i if they go with that i i will be interested to see if it's done well that, that's what i will say and reserve all the other judgments until i actually see that and we also got to bring up too it is rated r which i know that was a big concern yeah. to people because you know this is a this is a big movie i mean the budget is pretty damn big for this movie and it's a summer movie and for a big budget summer movie to be rated R. But yeah, the budget is what, $130 million on this? So that's a lot for a rated R movie. The last time I've ever heard of a rated R movie having that type of budget, we're talking about the Matrix sequels. That to me says they're banking on the the worldwide distribution to really cash in on it. Because, you know, that will play different in foreign countries. Like they won't, their rating systems are different than ours here. And so, that, you know, they may, it may get in front of more people there potentially than it would here. Though, I mean, Look, I remember being under the age to see rated R movies, and I found ways into them too. I think people still do. This is a star-studded cast, and Ridley Scott. Look, and, and the guy that wrote it is one of the guys behind Lost and Alias and all this other stuff. Yep, so. it's fair to say it. Had, you know, you should expect a lot from this movie. Well, there certainly are a lot of expectations for it, and I think we built it up well. So I'm looking forward to reviewing it uh, on this podcast series and kind of wrapping a bow up on the Alien series as well. So, folks, we thank you for joining us on this latest episode. Really appreciate your support. So you can find more episodes at our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. You can hook up with our Facebook and Twitter accounts there. Also leave us a message on the guest book. Search through our archives and see some of the other films we've done. Yeah, we both have mentioned Batman a couple times here. We did the whole Batman series way back when, and we'll be revisiting that one again later this summer too. So check that out. Let us know what you think. And as always, we appreciate your support here. So until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. Say we take off, loot the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off.